This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This morning is a frigid morning here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I think we're down in the 30s, which is cold for us here. And Got Mr. Craig Steele on the line from Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters, Predator Exclusives. I got uh, him and his uh, trusty dog, Cujo, otherwise known as Paisley, the boxer. And uh, Craig, I've been enjoying the Hunt for More video series on your YouTube channel, uh, orghunt.com. And I can't get enough, honestly, of uh, the Hunt for More series. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I've always enjoyed them, but something about this year, it's just got a really cool flavor. Um, you know, not that last year and the year before wasn't the, you know, is this the second year or third year? Second. Okay, so last year I thought it was awesome, but I'm really enjoying this year as well. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Got a little cold, but I'm not sick. Um, it's, oh, it's snowing outside right now. Snowing in Kingman, Arizona. In Kingman, there's snow about 4,000 foot right now on the on the on the mountains. I saw this morning when I took my kids to school. It's actually snowing right now. Wow! You know, uh, <laughs> I was watching on the news last night, and um, they keep showing this big trough of moisture down there, you know, south of us, and they just keep saying, you know, is is it going to work? Uh, is the jet stream going to come down enough to pick pick up that moisture? And they're talking, you know, macro. They're talking over the next couple months. They're not just talking this storm. But um, it sounds like if, if the jet stream would continue to drop down, and I don't want to sound like I even know what I'm talking about. I'm just repeating what I heard. Um, that the Southwest could get some serious moisture uh, over the next couple months. Let's hope it happens. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, have, I knew they were calling for El Nino, but I haven't been following the – the mid to long-term forecast. I've just been too busy. I understand. I've been following your adventures there on your Instagram page. And um, for those of you, uh, most of you know Craig Steele, but uh, for those of you who don't, uh, Craig Steele's Instagram is at AZ, And he also has, obviously, exclusive pursuit outfitters on Instagram and Predator Exclusive. Um, exclusive or exclusive? Exclusives. There's there's a few of us. Goodness, I was gonna say. So it's plural. It's plural. That one is okay. plural. I mean, it, could you have chosen an easier name for me, just like ABC Welding yeah, or something? So I mean, you know that that's that started out as uh, just wanting to give a, a predator guiding service a name that 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 kind of stood out and. I love it, actually. So um, it it works. Nice. Um, I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about this morning. First of which, and I would say most importantly, um, the Arizona Cardinals. The last time I checked, are eleven and two, 
And those scummy New England Patriots are 11-2 and two as well. Now, that's not to be overshadowed by the old Carolina Panthers that are 13-0. and 0. Yeah, they, have, what they, would, they haven't won anything yet, though. What would... Um, Cam Newton's looking pretty stout this year. What would happen if the Cardinals and the Patriots played in the Super Bowl? Uh, Besides total annihilation of the Patriots, but, I mean... Would you and I have to get together and watch Full the game? Full disclosure, Jay's rubbing me because he knows I'm a Patriots fan. And <laughs> I know probably about 80%, 90% of you out there probably hate me now, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, you were a Patriots fan long before any of the controversy, yeah, so yeah. I will give you that. No, no for sure. Uh, they got to play the game. There's, you know, got to play the game, you know, any given Sunday. Regular season doesn't matter except for getting in the playoffs and being healthy and being on a roll. And um, yeah, I don't get to watch football as much as is what I want to. Um, my wife lets me every now and again when I'm home to watch a Patriots game. Otherwise, I keep keep checking the scores online. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. You know, see, real season starts when the playoffs get here. Yep. Um. You know, I. I watched a pretty cool thing on Bruce Arians, and, um, you know, I, I'm a football fan. I have Cardinals tickets and have since they, they started, but um, the last couple of years, uh, actually, my neighbor that sits next to me at the games, he's actually taken my seat, so I don't want to come off as this, you know, diehard, go-to-every-game Cardinals fans, which I do watch them, and I did watch them, you know, I've watched them ever since I was a little kid, but, um, uh, you know... It's pretty cool to see. I, I watched a show on Bruce Arians, and um, the guy's just a winner. Um, you know, I didn't realize all of his history and all the different teams he had been with and what have you, um, but he's doing something right, and he obviously sound, surrounds himself with uh, people that are doing things right, and, um, you know, it's exciting here in this town to have, you know, we went through so many years of, of our team just being... Who is it? You know, Who is to, it? Bidwell that used to own the team, and now his sons or somebody owns the team? Who? Well, I I think I don't know exactly. I think the ownership group is still exactly the same. I oh, just think uh, I just think the son uh, Michael Bidwell is basically running, uh, you know, the team. Um, I believe is I believe the family still owns the team. I don't believe there's been any change, but. Um, you know, I, I like listening to um, 98.7 Ron Wolfley, you know, the ex-Cardinal. Oh, gosh, um, I cannot stand Wolfley. Oh, give me a break, oh, dude. He, he's the best commentator out there. Oh. Anyway, I listen, <laughs> I listen to him. I love that guy. Uh, uh, I love that guy. And um, he gets me all fired up for the games. Um, you know, it's been amazing. The Cardinals, uh, and we're going to get to hunting here in just a second, but the Cardinals have actually um, – kind of been the darling of the NFL this year. They've they've rearranged their schedule several times so that they could be on, you know, TV. They've been on Monday night. They've been on Sunday night. They just played on Thursday night. So um, it's pretty cool for our town. It's pretty cool for our state. Um, but, well, uh, yeah, hopefully. Fitzgerald actually getting some guys around him. And, you know, Carson Palmer seems like he's a pretty straight-up guy. So, I mean, it's hard to root for, you know, it's it's hard to root for. That's why I like the Patriots organization because they don't put up with with BS. It's hard to root for for 
teams now with the way free agency is and everything because, you know, I just, I hate the root for, I mean, coming from rooting for a team that had a murderer on it, but um, I, I just hate to root for crappy people, not that we actually know everybody on the in the Cardinals organization and whatnot, but anyway, I'll probably catch hell over that because uh, people I think send me should. emails about deflating balls and I'll get picture mails and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, just, oh, they, they sure. need to read the 500-page report and, and accept the truth. So That's it, huh? Yep. Here. Your email's just going to blow up. What's your email address again? I'll take you. They can find <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, sheep season, uh, for those guys that are still out there hunting, it sounds like the blacks are covered in snow. Uh, I know uh, a guy that our friend Fred Ashurst was helping uh, shot a great ram. Looks like... Uh, Real nice flared out ram. I haven't heard much from Region Three. Um, the two best rams that I know of, um, both are from locals. Um, a, a gal killed a 171 inch ram at a 15D South. Um, her husband's a heck of a hunter. Um, I think it's Cindy McGee. Um, uh, no, sorry, no, <laughs> it's uh, gosh dang it. Wade Reeves' wife. I think it's Crystal Reeves. Um, and then uh, uh, the Fred Astor's friend is John Bochamp. He's from he's from here. Um, and that ram he killed is somewhere in the one low 170s. Um, and that one's from 15D North. Um, yeah. You know, um, sorry to interrupt, but I, I've gotten an email um, talking about some of the coughing sheep in 15C South, 15C North, and then a few now in uh, 15D uh, North. Um, let's hope that they can get a, get a handle on this, and let's hope that this uh, uh, symptom of pneumonia, you know, let's hope that it's not pneumonia, and let's hope that it doesn't sweep through the whole herd up there, because, you know, 15D North has been the darling of Region 3 for a long time, and they've actually, the last couple of years, surveyed over 500 sheep in that unit, and they've used that unit to transplant out of into a lot of these different units. Um, they just transplanted uh, a bunch of sheep um, up by Kanab Creek um, in 12A and 13A, and um, I believe there were 40 of them that came out of 15D, and you know, it's just a. Uh, those sheep are, you know, they're they're not extremely resilient and they're very prone to disease and such. So, um, let's hope that those guys that are running uh, wildcat and maverick, uh, you know, goats and sheep out there illegally, uh, let's hope they catch those guys and put them where they need to be because it's um it's it's really too bad. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't spiral downhill on us. Yeah. Ho hopefully. With what weather it spreads those sheep out to. So, so I want to talk to you uh, <coughs> now. Sorry. Just I just need to know does um does Paisley eat raw meat? Um. What the heck did you ask that question? I I'm just curious. Uh, Didn't know if we needed to throw I, her a bone. I or? have never gave her raw meat. 
So like when you're skinning or doing something, she doesn't no, come, come out with an ear. My old hound dog that I used to have. You lo- you just lost your last hound dog, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Yep. How long how long did you have it? Uh, ten dog? years. Goodness, that was that was hard to take. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, I enjoy seeing Paisley on the hunt for more videos. I want to talk to you a little bit about. Have you seen the? Uh, Arizona Elk 2016 proposed regulations. A couple things that jump out at me are um, Unit 10. It looks like they're going to drastically reduce um, the number of bull tags in Unit 10. I'm looking here on the early rifle hunt. They've had it at 100, which in my mind has been ridiculous. Um, they're dropping it 60, they're dropping it down to 40 tags, um, which I would say, you know, I, I believe that it's been overcooked personally and that this, this needed to happen a year or two ago, but, um, good to see it's happening now. It's just proposed, so it's not, uh, it's not official. Um, it looks like this coming year. Uh, unit one's going to be a muzzleloader hunt. 3C is going to be an early rifle hunt. Uh, 5B South is going to be an early rifle hunt. Those dates are the September 23rd to the 29th. Uh, unit nine um, is going to have an early rifle hunt, and they've bumped it up to 35 tags, which I about puked. Um, <laughs> Got to make up revenue somewhere. Dates on that are September 23rd through the 29th. Um, 22 North has stayed the same at 30, uh, 27 this year is going to be an early rifle elk hunt. Now, interesting. So last year in 2015, they did a muzzleloader elk hunt in unit nine prior to the archery on. It looks like unit 27 is going to be the victim this year. And I say victim cause I just, I don't agree with this at all. Uh, I think the Game and Fish Department does a great job overall, but I, I think this is kind of ridiculous. Um, looks like September 9th through the 15th, Unit 27, there's going to be 40 early rifle bull tags. Um, you got any comment there? Uh, yeah, the, I mean, Unit 10 is, is uh, you know, I got in there a little bit, and uh, it's they're, they're the much-needed cutting those bull tags. I mean, it's still not down the historical lows or anything like that, but, you know, it'll be a better hunting experience overall. Um, but it's going to take a couple years of that for H-Class to, you know, to start creeping back up. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a good move. You know, when I saw the Unit 9 stuff. I kind of briefly looked at uh, everything. When it, when it comes to, you know, fish and wildlife agencies, and it's just simple economics and they are a business um it's a yeah it's a, it's a government oriented agency that's um you know well, what does having 40 tags before the archers or after the archers have anything to do with economics i i'm just i'm just simply saying whenever when whenever you see a cut in a tag somewhere that is drastic like unit 10s cuts for elk this year you're gonna see them go up other places or in the next year or two you're gonna see prices increase on licenses and tags you know i I just think it's 
you know, I, I'm not agreeing with how their hunts are structured at all. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it, they have to make the revenue, you know, that I mean, right. um, no, I, I, and I'm all for them. I mean, I think they do a great job in what they do most of the and time. And I agree with you, like, you know, on some of the hunts, it's like, why do they do that? I mean, and, and that's where you go in there and you, you, you raise your hand and raise your voice and, and, uh, you know, try to, you know, and they say, give, thank you. And that never give, does anything. Give your opinion and, and, and <laughs> I, move on I, and I, move I, forward, you know, but as far as, you know, it's, well, they're going to make the revenue. They have to, you know, and that's why prices are always going to increase, um, you know, and, and elk's a big, big money maker for them, you know? Yeah. I, I'm looking here at muzzleloader elk in unit 10, the the late hunt um they're dropping it by 75 so from 150 muzzleloader bull tags in november 4th through the 10th it's going to go down to 75 i think that's good um keep rolling down here it looks like the archery hunt in 6a is going to drop from 775 to 700 good night um sounds good to me um pretty much no change here you uh, see unit I'm looking for the ads here. Um, so unit eight is going to go up 25. So from 150 to 175. Uh, unit 10 archery is going to go from 200 to 125. So they're knocking 75 off of that one. Um, 21, unit 21, they're going to take five tags off. So it's going to go from 15 to 10. Um, here, Here's the one that I... I got a hope as a typo. I mean, I'm looking at this and it's like jumping off the page. Um, you know, like in the old cartoons when the guy smashes his thumb and the thumb just throbs. Yeah. That's what this one's doing to me. Unit nine archery, September 16th through September 23rd. So it's going to be a week later than the rest of the scheduled archery season. So one would say, wow, great. That sounds fantastic. But then you go up to the early rifle hunt and realize that this, the last week of the archery season, and I hope this is a typo, and it probably <coughs> is, it, they have it, unless this is a typo, as the rifle hunt is going to overlap the last week of the archery season. That's got to be a typo. It's got to be a typo. So. <laughs> if it, but that's what it says. You can go to AZGFD and you can click on proposed regs, and it says clearly, September 16th through September 29th, 2016, Unit 9, 100 tags, no change on number of tags. Uh, but then you go up to the early rifle and it says September 23rd through the 29th, 35. So that's got to be a typo. Let's hope it is. Um, I'm looking at 22 North, the late hunt. Um, actually, excuse me, the late archery hunt, they're going to add 20, so it's going to go to 375. And then in unit 9, the late archery hunt is going to bump up 45 to 100 uh, late archery. Oh, man. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> don't like it one bit. Have, have you know, fun hunting there. The crown jewel unit 9 is um, been seeing some serious uh, <laughs> what, what we did. Let's, I mean... It's 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 just like anything else, though. You know, you, you it's just a business. 
It's a business, um, and this is my podcast, so I have the right to complain. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm uh, just, it's, it's funny when, you know, people, people look at these and then they're, uh, you know, I, I get it. But on the same token, you know, you and I are both very conservative with how we want our tag numbers. I think, honestly, I think elk is cheap. I, I oh, mean, yeah. I'd rather see him bump, and I'm, I know I'll get some hate mail on this, but I'd rather see him bump the price up a little bit than, you know, increase numbers to increase revenue. Well, especially uh, on the on the bull hunts, you know. But that's, you know. All right. Well, pay. that's, people can go to, um, where can they go to? AZGFD. Uh, go to hunting and then click on hunt guidelines and hunt recommendations. It says S2 pronghorn elk uh, hunt recommendations. You can click on it and read. Uh, let's hope that the unit nine stuff is a typo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, craziness, but uh, I'm sure it's a typo. Um, now, you've been a busy, busy little bee. With all of your elk hunts, um, looks like you guys had a really good late elk season. Uh, it looks like you did really, really well. We did. We had a, you know, just very good late, basically, very good November. Um, we killed uh, multiple bulls. Um, best bull was right around 390. Um, and then killed another bull that was right around 370, um, 300, uh, 330, um, multiple opportunities and whatnot. Um, yeah, we, we had a, we had a good late elk season. It was really, we had great hunters in camp. Um, we killed another 350 on the muzzleloader hunt, um, 350 type, pretty close. I mean, I didn't, I rough taped them at. I think 345 and something. I didn't even add up the eights. So he's probably 347 or so. What would you say? Uh, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No, you're I'm good. good at, I'm good at interrupting. My wife tells me that all the time. Oh, uh, what, uh, what, if anything, did you learn this elk season? Um, did you learn anything profound that just jumped out at you, or? But the 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 big the biggest thing that guys that come here to hunt or or you know that are from out of state maybe not familiar with elk, um, or or even you know local guys people do not understand that you it it's entirely impossible unless you have the funds and the time to keep track of bulls. And, you know, everybody still wants to see those velvet trail camera photos that, you know, we did kill a bull that, that we did have on camera that showed back up in, in late November, um, early December. Um, we had on trail camera in early August and we killed him about two miles from where he was at, but it is elk move. They are not a white-tailed deer. They're not a mule deer. They're not a coos deer. They're not an antelope. Elk are built to move and cover country. And they also, you know, when you get to those late seasons, you know, um, hunters come in with the, you know, mindset. We always try to book realistic. And, you know, and, and I'm always shooting for, like, I think a 350 is a big bull. Now, depending on the hunter, you know, the hunter may 
maybe he does. He's never killed an elk before, so you know he just wants to kill a nice six point, you know, or just a, just a five point will do. But you know, everybody wants to kill the biggest they can. For me personally, I'm like a three fifty is a big bull, and if you kill a three fifty on the late hunt or three fifty type bull, you're you're really accomplishing something because you're going through all those hunts that we just talked about um, that used to not be there. And and then you're plus you're dealing with breakage, horn breakage, you know, and you get bulls that break their beams off or multiple tines off. I mean, you are really skimming the bottom of the barrel when it comes to those late hunts. And, you know, I, I tell guys and they kind of look at me funky, but if we can hunt for 350 bulls and dang sure try to kill them and I'm more than happy to do it, but know what a 350 bull is and how hard it's going to be. And then when you do see a 350 bull, that 350 bull could be 350 or he could be 380, but you need to kill him right there. You need to kill him because if you don't kill him right then and there, you don't know if you're ever going to see him again. He may hold up in there, but a lot of those bulls get in the jungle and thick stuff and that's how they make a living. And, you know, and I see also a lot of guys You know, and I might catch crap for this, but bread and butter shooting on the late hunts is 300 to 600 yards. If if you can't shoot three to 600 yards, and I'm talking about a steady rest, and I'm talking about don't shoot that if you can't, but if you can't shoot those distances now, you're probably not going to have a realistic chance at killing a 350 plus bull like it's going to go down to like one percent um it just it just is tough and where they live what? they live in canyons and thick nasty stuff and you may only see you know them and as soon as you drop down lower to get you know under 300 yards you're in you the jungle you can't see them you know you know what I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it needs to be said that I think what you're saying overall is they are not forgiving. Those late elk hunts are you get one sh- chance, one shot, and you've got to make it count uh, not only with your shot but your actual time and your spotting those bulls. You've got to be there at the right time, um, and it's very unforgiving. It's not like the early season where you you know you may shoot at them and they go back to bugling. Um, they are very, very skittish, and they've seen every trick under the sun by that point in time, and um, you, you've got to make it count. Um, I know what you're saying about being able to shoot and, and shoot you know, long distance, and you need to be able to, if that's your bull, you need to get down and, and get it shot. Um, you guys have done a fantastic job this year on the late hunts. One thing I've noticed, uh, I didn't do any late elk hunting at all myself this year, not 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 one time, um, but just general observer, it seems like the quality of bulls across the state on the late hunts have been pretty darn good. And I, I think, you know, in my opinion, the early hunts, there were some good bulls, but it, it wasn't just an unbelievable year, mm-hmm. like kind of we thought it was going to be. Um, but it seems like maybe some of those bulls didn't break up as much. Maybe their antlers were a little bit stronger. It was a and low, it just low rut. It's well, like, and that, you know, and the archery hunters weren't weren't like yours. I mean, it it we had good horn growth, but the the elk seemed to be. And I've listened to some of the podcasts. I just listened to Michael Parks, and he was talking about the rut up there, and 
Um, you know, it for whatever reason, you know, this goes back to we don't have it all figured out. It and and I know we talked about this before. It was a it was a low rut, so I think there was some leftover bulls um, that and and it didn't seem like they they fight they they fought that hard, you know, compared yeah. to what they didn't rut as hard as what they sometimes do, in my right. opinion, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then I want to get back and talk to you about uh, predator hunting and coyote hunting and calling and some of the different situations with that. Guys, as you know, GoHunt.com Insider is the title sponsor of this podcast. I wanted to tell you what a few other hunters say about the GoHunt Insider. Randy Newberg, host of Loophole's Fresh Tracks TV show, says, I take my elk hunting seriously. There is no such thing as too much information. There's plenty of old information. Go Hunt Insider gives me a fresh look at information with hard data and lots of it. Jason Hairston, the founder of Kuyu, says GoHunt.com's goal is to help hunters spend less time researching and more time in the field. Mission accomplished. Brett Ross, the Colorado hunter that killed the 300-inch deer, it's the best $149 I've ever spent. Guys, go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider, click the blue join now button and use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout and they will send you a $50 Kuyu gift certificate. They will actually email you a electronic gift certificate by joining insider now. I want to thank GoHunt.com insider for being the title sponsor of this podcast. All right, Craig. Um... I know you are an avid predator hunter, and you are every bit as into calling coyotes and calling predators as you are into calling elk and deer hunting and elk hunting and anything you do. I mean, um, I'm into turkey hunting. Uh-huh. Uh, you're into predator calling. Um you know, for me, I'm, I've never really been predator calling and hunting. I've done it very, very little. But I know there's a bunch of guys out there that love to do it. And you run a successful uh, guide operation where you take non-residents who come from all over and they hunt predators, hunt coyotes, and it is just a complete eye-opening experience for a lot of them. Some of the guys you have are, are very experienced predator hunters. Some of them are newbies. Yeah. Um, tell me about your love for predator hunting <laughs> and what, what is it that drives the passion? You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things uh, that once you experience it, it's, it's like seeing a big old bull elk come in. Um, screaming his head off that the animals coming to you um because of something you you did um i started predator hunting you know going my dad and my uncle roy when i was a kid and, and uh you know i was just sitting there huddled behind a bush and, and and watching and um i called in my first uh coyote when i was like 11 or 12 years old with my buddy kenny um, and he missed it, and then the next day we we called in a, another coyote, a double, what we call a double, which is two coyotes coming in at once, and was able to kill them both. And then, you know, it just 
that was just it was just you know part of what what we did you know my dad uh trapped and um my gra- my great grandparents uh worked on a ranch uh, my dad trapped and uh called coyotes and you know sold furs for for you know basically uh profit um and and you know for for income um it was a part-time deal and you know furs were you know that was back when the fur buyer would come around and you know it was uh, a, a pretty common occurrence um <clears throat> and so i you know i just once you get in it 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 sticks with you and you know um it it's a i, I don't know of anything like it um as far as hunting wise and you know i started predator exclusives the the the, the guiding business on that from from my passion in it and um that was in 2012 and i just i live in kingman northwest arizona and you know i'm right on the border i have sheep hunting i have elk hunting to the east um antelope hunting um don't have a lot of huge mule deer right here where i'm at just just good solid over the counter hunts but the one thing we do have is a just awesome amount of and diverse amount of predator hunting from coyotes, gray fox to bobcat, mountain lion, kit fox, um, badger, you know, and, and we primarily target uh, coyote and bobcat. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the game has changed just like every other aspect of, of hunting with technology. You know, I, I uh, made a predator hunting DVD when I was going through my little filming phase back in uh as far as trying to make dvd and make a living off dvd which was a huge mistake but back in 2004 and uh you know i, I got a, a call from fox pro i was sponsored um and uh it was fx3 and i actually still use that call to this day um and i use hand calls um you know the the thing about predator calling is you know uh it's you you get that you know some guys that you know you're not really calling coyotes unless you're hand calling and I'll get an email every once in a while you cheater usually use an electronic call and you know I I will tell you that an electronic call is a is uh an awesome unreal tool and it has increased the amount of people that predator hunt, um, and it increases my success level. Um, and so, from that standpoint, I, I selfishly wouldn't care if they actually went away. But on the same token, I use the heck out of them. Uh, going back to kind of coyote calling and, and predator hunters and the type of people that that come out here and, and and go on predator hunts most most of them aren't very experienced um predator hunters um and they they come from the midwest and um the the east coast um and they get to see just a bunch of diverse country um and on predator hunts it's different than you know our big game hunts you know sheep hunt elk hunt where you're camped and then you're glassing and whatnot you're 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 hunting you're driving from spot to spot and then going out you know 50 to a half mile from a truck sitting there anywhere from five minutes to 45 minutes on a stand 
what we call a stand or a setup. And, uh, you know, you're doing 10 to 20 of those in a day. Um, doesn't sound like much, but it adds up. Um, and guys just love the diversity um, uh, of the terrain. And, you know, we just had a guy come back. Uh, mo- we get a lot of returners, probably 80% of the guys returned. Um, we got one guy that's got three hunts booked this year um, and, and multiple guys with, with uh, you know, doing two hunts in a year. But uh, don't you say that, like, more than half of them, every bit as much as they're enjoying the hunt, they just can't believe some of the rock formations and the sunsets and some of the different, you know, open country and the amount of country that you can just drive on a dirt road and not have anybody around. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's 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 like they're stopping to take pictures of stuff that you you just for lack of a better term, take for granted. The guys, and think, why are the guys they... from yesterday seen a roadrunner and said, hey, we've seen a roadrunner today. And, um, you know, we, t- we take so much stuff for granted, you know, because, you know, a lot of the guys in other places, and, and we just don't understand it, and we get all puffed our chests out, and go, ah, it's just a roadrunner, or it's just a rock, or it's just a sunset, and all that stuff we take for granted. When you get these guys that, that lived in, densely treed areas or in flat land that you don't see a mountain for you know 500 miles it's kind of cool it's really cool to see the appreciation and the excitement over a cactus you know and i hate cactus and (laughs) it's it's just it's it's unreal, you know, and then, and then and then you throw in predator hunting and and calling and a coyote on top of it. It's it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing, and and I enjoy them, you know, because I'm home every night. Um, most guys fly into Las Vegas, um, either rent a vehicle or or we go, we go and pick them up, um, and then they you know they stay in a hotel and and then we take them out and hunt all day, and then they're back at a hotel and at night and showering and doing whatever they do and we go home and either skin coyotes or bobcats and go to bed and wake up and do it all over again um but uh it's craig on those hunts like um you know like an incredible day like let's say like as good as it gets day like how many coyotes will you a c and b get a shot at like on, on an incredible day, day i mean an incredible day to me is you're calling in ten over ten coyotes. That's a rare day. Um, you know, there's more guys hunting now than than there ever been before. But the the coyotes reproduce like crazy every year, and uh, you know, on and a lot of it comes down to weather. Um, and that's one thing I've learned. It always comes down to uh, yeah, we- everything. We- comes weather, down to it, weather. It dictates, you know, and. We go out there and we book a hunt or we go on a predator contest or we, you know, whatever. And and the weather dictates so much because those animals don't care that you got a two-day or three-day hunt booked and you want you need these predators to come in. And, you know, they, they don't care. They, they don't fathom that. They're just holed up, you know, if it's real windy or bad weather. And, you know, if you can get on the backside of a of a storm, you know, typically eight to twelve hours after a storm had had come through, and you know those animals are really active. Um, so explain to me what ideal conditions are. Ideal condition to me is it it rains for 
rains and blows sideways for a week, and then eight to ten hours after it lets up, that's ideal condition. Lets up and then it's cool and it's crisp. It's cool and crisp and calm, and those coyotes or predators are out hunting, um, breeding, or marking territory or defending territory, and and that's that's when you have those great days, um, in my opinion. Um, and you know, for the most part, on an on average day, if it's ten mile an hour wind and it's been like that for a week, on the for the most part, you can you're gonna average with with us. I mean, we think about this stuff and we look over the weather and we we've been doing it for years and we talk about it. Um, you're gonna average four to six predators to the call. And and a lot of times it's four or five, and then guys are like, "Well, I'm going to kill four or five. Well, no, you're not, because um, what happens is you'll call in a double, you know, two coyotes, or you may call in a triple, and then you call in a single. Well, most of our hunters average about fifty percent of of what comes to the call, and and there's people out, and there's a lot of hunters that do it that only average forty to fifty percent, and the reason is because coyotes don't stop running most of the time. Um, they go to the wind, um, they're savvy as they come, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of guys don't shoot as well as they should be shooting, and then um, they get excited. Um, when a coyote comes running in on a lope, you'd be surprised how hard your heart beats, you know, and, and uh, you know, bouncing all over the place. Um, so they run about 50%. I mean, these guys that just came, um, we just had a three day hunt. The first day uh, I took them out and, you know, we, we didn't call, we did 20 stands. I worked our butt off. It was blowing 40 miles an hour. We didn't call on a single coyote. The next day, the, the weather kind of let up just a little bit in little breaks, but it was starting to break just a little bit and it switched. It switched from a South West wind to a North West wind. Um, which will also cause activity to increase because those animals must move to to get in the shelter. And it was two strong days of hard wind. And actually, their Thursday it was hard wind too. Um, so the day before it was super hard wind. So so they had to move a little bit. We ended up calling in six. We killed two, um, missed a couple. One didn't get shot at. Um, and then yesterday morning, which was supposed to, it was really good in the morning. Um, I think they called in seven by ten o'clock, and then after that the wind picked up, and then they, they, they kind of, you know, didn't do as well. So they end up calling in thirteen coyotes in in three days, and and killing seven, which is, you know, set, really seven good. for thirteen is really good. They did they did a good job, um, uh, and you know things played out well. They killed three coyotes on one stand, um, and yes, coyotes will come in after you shoot. Um, it's one of those things that's just people don't fathom it. We humanize animals a little bit too much. Um, and not, not every coyote will come back and, and not every coyote will come in after a shot is fired, but they will come in. Um, probably about 50% of the stands. If you call on one coyote, you know, you just need to sit your butt down and keep calling. Um, because you know what what a lot of people don't understand is those that coyote could be loping in and not hear a shot if it's far off he doesn't process the information that that like a human is that oh there's a shot over there you know uh he's just shot joey um 
you know, <laughs> they, they just don't think that way. Um, and then sometimes, you know, if he's just standing there, you know, and you shoot at him, um, you know, occasionally, you know, if there's two of them, you shoot one, occasionally you'll be able to get the other one to stop or come back. But it's rare. Coyotes are super savvy. Um, I say it like they're stupid, but they're not. Um, they're they're uh, outside of an ape. They're probably one of the most intelligent mammals in the in the world. Um, they use their what nose. guns do you use? What guns do you um, use? For- I, I use when when I'm calling when I'm going out there to wreck shop as we call it. Um, I'm using a 22-250 and a 12 gauge shotgun. Um, you take them both with you. Take, I take them both with me. And the, and the reason being is because, you know, very rarely do you see a coyote coming from miles um, in, in the terrain that we have. You know, it's not the open sand hills of Nebraska. Um, it's, it's you know, brush. So do you lay the two fifty down and, and have the shotgun on yep. the sticks? Or vice I have versa? the shotgun in my hand, um, resting on my toe, not the barrel, but resting on my toe, kind of half shouldered up. And then the 22-250 is set to my right. Um, and I always set it on the, I try to set it up to where it, my rifle's facing kind of the downwind. And I always set a little bit downwind of the call. Um, now that that is totally different than what I do for a bobcat. Um, and how? And, how? Um, and, and the reason being is, is because now you're going to go, we're going to go into philosophical craziness, but, uh, Let's hear it. Fishing, Jay Scott. You do not fish for, you know, even trout species the exact same way because they're all fish, but they all have different little nuances and habits and areas that they like to. So you're saying I don't fish for a trout the same way I fish for a bass. Exactly. I can understand. I can understand exactly. And, and, and the same goes for, for, for predator hunting. And, you know, if, if you are seriously going out there because you absolutely want to kill a bobcat, then you need to hunt specifically for a bobcat. Now, with that being said, you are going to get those areas, those transition areas and stands where you do call in coyotes as well. But if you position yourself, and a lot of it's dictated by terrain and time of day, um, you, you you are going to increase your odds at killing a bobcat. Um, I live in bobcat mecca. Um, most of Arizona is. Um, but uh, they just, they, they have different transition areas and they overlap a little bit. Um, I like to sit a bit long, a little bit longer for cats because a lot of times they, they'll, they'll walk in um, Big toms are super confident. Sometimes they'll run in, but a lot of times they'll they'll walk in. They'll come in on a straight line. Bobcats typically um, don't use their nose. Um, they're very uh, it's all audible and then sight, and that's why a decoy is big time for a bobcat um, versus a coyote. You know, I've had them the decoy chase coyotes off. So um, a bobcat, as soon as most of the time when he sees the decoy, it's he's hypnotized. It's like catnip. And uh, you know, bo- bobcats are stupid. When, when they're killers, 
but they're stupid compared to coyotes in my mind because, you know, coyotes are just, they use their nose. You know, canine species is just smarter, just a smarter animal. Um, okay, question for you. What kind of terrain are you looking for for bobcat and what kind of terrain are you looking for coyotes? Okay, coyotes can be anywhere. Um, bobcats can be anywhere, but time of day dictates a lot. Um, for me, bobcats specifically, um, they, if you think of a regular house cat, we buy all these castles and stuff for them to lay up on and bobcats are no different. Um, a lot of the more dominant bobcats, um, will want to lay up higher in the middle of the day. Occasionally they will lay in the washes. Um, especially if they had a kill or they're being lazy. Um, but so from basically 10 to 2, um, I like to call rocky outcroppings and box canyons. Um, they will respond during the middle of the day, and they will come in on a run. Um, you And typically the reason being they do respond is because you set up right on them. And generally they're laying up and being lazy during the middle of the day. There's a lot of articles that used to say the best time to call Bobcat is first thing in the morning or late at night. Well, the reason everybody wrote those articles is because they were catching Bobcats in transition areas. Coming off of their feeding ground um, and uh, or going to their feeding ground while they were trying to call for coyotes. Um, and that's why most people only call bobcats in the early morning or late afternoon, um, because they're calling them, they're calling for coyotes, for predators, and, you know, they're basically slopping into a bobcat. And I've done it plenty of times, so I'm not saying I can predict, you know, all that. And I still try to do it. There's still areas where I'm like with hunters or by myself, well, there could be a bobcat or a coyote here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm calling for, you know, either one, but they're in the middle of the day. If, if, if I, if a guy bucks a bobcat hunt, I am early morning, late evening, I'm calling transition areas, uh, middle of the day, I'm calling rocky outcroppings, box canyons, and that's what I'm calling. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting with the decoy. I'm generally trying to sit up high during the middle of the day and bobcat, hunting bobcats is going to be a little bit more taxing. You're going to have to walk to the back of those canyons. Um, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, they call them cat houses. You know, you got some sort of rock structure, um, in the back of it, um, where a bobcat has used the ridge or the draw to travel to and from. Um, and so that's kind of the difference. Coyotes can be all over, um, you know, and, and you know, one of them, most rewarding things with coyotes is to actually scout a group of coyotes and I'm not going to give all my secrets away, but scout a group of coyotes and then go back in there and actually kill, um, those coyotes. Um, and it's something that a lot of guys, um, don't and won't do, you know, typically that the average predator hunter goes out, he goes, Hey, I got a weekend. I'm going to go calling on Saturday. And he goes out and does what I call, he, now he may have a fair amount of background, so it's not as far as familiar with the train and whatnot. But I call it cold calling. Um, he, he's going out there with no scouting, and he's, you know, maybe he knows the area or not, but he's just going off a whim. And that's why a lot of guys only call in, you know, maybe one or two, um, and then they'll have, you know, 
maybe 10 more days where they don't call anything in and then, you know, or they call in one and then they'll run off 10 and they'll be a hero for a day. And then they'll go another stretch of 10 days where they don't call deadly in. It's because just like anything else, just like big game hunting, just like roosting turkeys, you got to put your time in. You put your time in, you do the work, you know, you, you have all those failures and you do scout all that, all that time, then, uh, you know, you're, you're going to increase your odds. If you don't, if you just go out there and grab your calls and say, I'm going to go predator calling, you, you know, you're cold calling and your, your odds are going to be shrunk down to where it's, it's going to be a little bit tougher, you know? So I think that's, um, a real, I think we just started to scratch the surface. I can tell just just listening to you getting revved up. I know you love love it, and I think we just barely scratched the surface. You could probably give me a tutorial on all aspects of predator hunting. Um, I think people can see that you love it, and it's awesome to hear the passion about. Um, you know, I have the same thing with a lot of different animals, one of which is turkeys and you know, fishing, um, trout fishing, uh, among other things. But it's it's interesting how each um, activity, each sport has their own little nuances and has, you know, all the little intricate parts of what it takes to be consistent. And I know, Craig, you and I have talked about this a lot uh, on, on other podcasts, um, but... I hear you say, you know, a hero one day, a zero next day. And I, I think I I would tell people out there that are listening, um, you know, strive to be consistent and not just a hero one day mm-hmm. and a zero next. And, um, you know, I've had people say, oh, man, that animal that you and Dar just guided for, that's unbelievable. That You know, you know, I. I want to say, yeah, well, did you see, you know, the other hunt where we didn't do as hot? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I strive to be consistent as a hunter um, and as a guide. And I think uh, more people would have longevity if they didn't get so high and get so low. If they, you know, I, I don't ever want to be judged for the quality of a guide that I am by one hunt. I want to be judged, and I've said it before you know, over a 20 year, 30 year span, however long, um, you know, how did he do, you know, you know, year in, year out, how, how was his consistency? Um, what do you think about that? No, it, it is. I mean, I, 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 the, the biggest difference I see between the average Joe or, or the average hunter that comes in versus the guys that, have been through it and actually have a realistic perspective is dealing with the slow times, the, 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 which are the majority of the times. And we all strive to be consistent and we all put out uh, an effort because we know that next stand or that next glassing spot might, that, that could be it, you know, from zero to hero. And what what separates a lot of people is they haven't been through it, and you know they kind of want it to happen now. Well, it it takes effort, and it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, Jay Scott doesn't always go out there and 
freaking call in a 400 inch bull you know and craig still doesn't always go out there and call in 10 coyotes you know it, it there there's a lot of things that go on now do we always try to do that of course but you know i i think that's the thing that separates and you know you listen to everyone on the podcast that's successful or you read about people um or even if you just look microly around your hometown or or guys you know and you look at the ones that are consistent it's because they've gone out there and got their butts handed to them and then they get back up and they just keep going you know because they're striving to be consistent they realize if you know i always talk about with predator hunting you know I, for and i'm gonna brag a little bit there's there's a hunt called the curtis cotton memorial hunt um uh a, a friend of mine that i just got to know just just when a tragic accident happened he was a helicopter uh mechanic and he was the foreman on job over in california anyway he was stringing power lines, and he just went up to, to tell the, the helicopter pilot that they were going to call it off for the day. And uh, the fuel guy was fueling up the helicopter, and a gust of wind come, and basically the helicopter, you know, tipped and cut him in half and killed him. The guy fueling the helicopter um, lived, was perfectly fine. Um, uh, Curtis was a, a super, I, and I didn't know Curtis very well, but um, he was a super competitive guy and he was a heck of a coyote caller um and, and and shot from what i understand and anyway they do a, they do what i think is the best uh hunt in arizona they do a hunt that you know like 50 to 60 percent of the proceeds go to uh, uh you know families that are that are in need and then and then the family gives back and it's a way for them to kind of you know involve uh curtis's name in the sport of of, of predator hunting Anyway, I've been doing that for, I think that hunt's been going on for six or seven years now. I don't think we did it the first year, but me and my uh, buddy Mike, we do that every year. And, you know, what What a lot of people don't know, um, there's there's around 100 teams in that. And probably about 20 of the teams realistically have a shot at placing. Um, the other 80 probably don't, and I'm not knocking anybody, but they just they grab their call and go out, and they really haven't done it. Um, and it, it's more for pride than anything, but, but me and my buddy Mike and what a lot of people don't know is I coach two basketball games during the middle of that on Saturday and we have not, not finished in the top five. And, and the reason being is just because we go, go, go. And then I know a ton of places to go and he knows places and we talk about it and there's times when we haven't done well on the first day and then we do better on the second day, but up until the very end, like I'm, there's a check-in time when you have to be there. We're generally the second or third car, if not the last car in the check-in line. Um, so we're about ready to get disqualified every time, but that's because we're going. And I know the next stand could be the double, could be the triple. And I, that really is what separates the, 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 average from the good or the good from the best is the consistency and putting out the effort so that's my long-winded uh, rant and i guess I brag. It. i love it man um yeah that sounds like an awesome contest and um you know 
hats off to you for for doing it and hats off to you for remaining coaching and and you know not forgetting your priorities and responsibilities um and that's why I call you a friend and that's why you're a friend of the podcast and that's why everybody enjoys listening to you talk cuz you're real um and you're not sponsored we're going to talk about that on another episode, but I had to throw that in because I heard the word sponsored. And maybe you are sponsored. I've been uh, there and done that road. But, but you've got a, a real life, a real job, and you've got a touch with reality. And you're not trying to portray yourself as some superhero, superhuman uh, person out there. Um, you're just Craig Steele, and that's good enough for me. I love Craig Steele. And I appreciate having you on the podcast. Um, you know, it's uh, unbelievable the uh, feedback uh, that I get on the podcast episodes that you've been on, and, and I just appreciate you uh, being real, and I look forward to the next uh, Hunt for More uh, episode. I uh, love those videos. Uh, for those of you that want to check Craig's stuff out, you go to orghunt.com. Uh, he also has Predator Exclusives website. He also has Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters. So Predator Exclusives obviously is his Predator business, and the Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters is all the other big game animals. And um, uh, Craig, it's a pleasure. Um, look forward to having you on again. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me on. You got any uh, parting thoughts or anything? Or No, man, I'll just get long-winded and... <laughs> right on buddy well sounds good well uh god bless you and let's uh let's uh pray for rain and more snow and hopefully it uh we have a next two three four months have a you know big wet winter and uh hope we get everything that they're predicting and um thanks for coming on buddy thanks man guys i want to thank you for listening to the podcast today and i want to thank craig Steele for coming on as always he's one of my most popular guests and I just want to thank you guys uh, for your support of the podcast. If you'd like to send me comments or questions, uh, you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I always appreciate uh, hearing from my listeners. Uh, for those of you that are out hunting, send me a picture. Love to see what you got going on. Love to see the bucks uh, that you're chasing, uh, that, that you end up harvesting. Uh, I'm getting a lot of photos in on uh, of bighorn sheep and and a few deer already rolling in, and I just appreciate that. Uh, guys, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, GoHunt.com Insider, uh, for their support of this podcast from the beginning. Uh, if you're not already an Insider member, you can go to GoHunt.com forward slash Insider, click on the blue Join Now button, and when you click on that blue Join Now button uh, and sign up for the Insider, you automatically get a $50 Kuyu gift card if you use the J. Scott promo code. And I want to thank them for uh, coming out with this filtering 2.0 system. They've got all the harvest uh, statistics uh, up in the filtering. And any day now, they're going to be re uh, releasing the draw odds portion of that. And it's uh, kind of groundbreaking and it's uh, exciting to see. I can't wait to use it to research uh, all my hunts that I'll be applying for uh, uh, this um, winter and this spring uh, for next fall. So uh, guys, I also want to thank DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Um, they are hunters that make uh, hunting gear. They make uh, quality t-shirts and hats and hoodies. 
Um, Chris Lacey is uh, one of the partners in that company, and he's the designer. He's a world-renowned artist, and uh, go check them out at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Uh, any of the stuff that you order there, use the J. Scott promo code. Usually it's a 10% discount, uh, but with this uh, Christmas season here, they're offering a 25% discount. So go check them out. Use the J. Scott promo code. And uh, guys, uh, with the holiday season, make sure to spend good quality time with your family and remember what's most important. Until next time, guys, God bless.